Welcome to the Brownstein Hyatt Farber Shrek podcast series. As gridlock on Capitol Hill continues, state and local politics become more and more relevant every year and every election cycle. Tune in as our government relations team explains why governors are increasingly shaping national policy and dissects the state specific and nationwide issues at play in the 36 governor races underway in 2022. Hi, I'm Doug Friedanish, Chair of the State and Local Government Relations Practice Group at Brownstein, uh, and at one time a Chief of Staff to Colorado Governor. Uh, welcome to the podcast. Today we're going to be talking about the hot governor's races coming up in 2022 and what impact it will have on the political process. In the end, all politics are local, and here at Brownstein we have a state government relations team that gives clients on-the-ground resources that drive state and local policy outcomes across the country. Uh, more than ever, we're seeing state, local, and federal politics become increasingly intertwined and issues that require a multi-state approach. Our team at Brownstein has the depth and relationships to cover critical issues at the state level uh, from coast to coast. And in large part, that's attributable to our two great Colleagues today that are on the call, first Joe Hasso. Joe has over 20 years experience in legislative affairs, external relations and politics at the federal, state and local levels. He's used his government relations executive experience to lead multi-state lobbying efforts. He works on behalf of clients to advance legislative and business objectives on Capitol Hill, across the country and state legislatures and with Republican gubernatorial and legislative partisan and nonpartisan associations. My other colleague who's able to join today is Mike Stratton. Mike uh, really probably needs no introduction. He's a distinguished Democratic strategist, decades of on-the-ground campaign experience across the U.S., a trusted confidant of business leaders, policymakers, governors across the country, uh, trusted by mayors, attorney generals, federal policymakers, Mike understands how to activate grassroots and grass top organizations to achieve his clients' business goals. He's also a leading voice in the hierarchy of the Democratic Party. Uh, he develops and executes strategies to achieve electoral victories for Democrats across the country and has served as a member of the Democratic National Committee and most recently was reappointed by the Biden campaign. So uh, welcome, uh, Joe and Mike. Let's start here. Why do governors' races matter? Why are they important? Well, I'll start out with that, Doug. And I think that the answer to that is increasingly over the last several years, not just the last couple of years that we're all familiar with dysfunction, but the Congress can't get anything done. And maybe to some extent, the public likes that. They like a government that doesn't get anything done because they think in Washington, the things that come out are not particularly good for them in many regards. So that makes the 50 states where the rubber meets the road where people have to balance budgets, where they have to pave the roads, where they have to, you know, keep the streets clean and the bridges repaired and uh, make people's life meaningful on a day to day basis. So increasingly, the governors are more important in the national agenda than they've been in the past. There's 36 races that are up with, with governors that are either incumbents, 
uh, Republicans or Democrats or open seats. 36 out of 50, that's a lot. And people are concerned that the nationalization of everything from uh, what's going on with COVID and the president to what's going on with the extreme right and President Trump, uh, that that is going to play out locally in a lot of states. And that's likely to be the case. And that will play for the Republicans. The way that the Democrats can respond is if they make these races about local issues, not federal issues. If they talk about Trump, they'll likely end up with how uh, former DNC Chairman McAuliffe ended up in November on the short side of the stick. So the big races that the Democrats are looking at, which will have trends across America, there's six of them. The most endangered Democrat is Governor Kelly out in Kansas, a Republican state. She's a moderate. Uh, everything in Kansas except one congressional seat is, is Republican, and she has the toughest way to get reelected. Then you have Governor Evers in Wisconsin. He narrowly won election the last time around, and now his state is one of those most affected by COVID issues, masking issues, defund the police issues, etc. So he's in a very tough race. The next one who's probably the most in trouble would be Governor Whitmer in Michigan, where she's had the same issues as Evers and only maybe even further. There's a very charged up minority of Aryan and militia types uh, that have opposed her and took over the state capitol and had a very viable plot to kidnap and kill her. Uh, Sad but true. Next is Governor Mills in Maine. The former governor is going to page is going to run against her and it's an off year. So she'll have a much more difficult time. And then the sixth most difficult race for us is Governor Steve Sisolak out in Nevada. Uh, Nevada is a very, very purple state. He won by just a few thousand votes last time. This is an off year election. The same issues that are playing nationally are playing in uh, uh, Nevada. And then you also have employment issues that have been affected by COVID and masking, et cetera. And then I would add this, that the probably the most, what might be the most interesting race in the country will be Pennsylvania. Two-term incumbent Tom Wolf can't run for re-election, so it's an open seat. The Democrats have a very, very good candidate, Josh Shapiro, the two-term incumbent attorney general. But it will probably be the race in the country and also because there's an open Senate seat there, where there could be hundreds of millions of dollars spent from top of the ticket to the bottom of the ticket, and that will impact the Senate race and the governor's race. So those are my initial thoughts about the big seats that are in play for the 36 that are up. Joe, tell me uh, your view of uh, why governor's races matter and what the landscape looks like on the other side. Yeah, so look, so I, I think Mike framed it uh, just right in that, you know, when work's not getting done here in Washington, uh, the states increasingly become the focus. Um, and what is really important to take note of is that you know, not only does the responsibility, you know, transfer to the states, but the importance of, of, the, of the elections has a lot to do with the policy that's going to be implemented, right? If you look at the states right now, 
37 of the 50 states uh, are controlled by one party, right? They have full legislative control. That means uh, one party controls the governor's mansion and controls the state legislature. And that breakdown right now is 23 to 14, Republican to Democrat. Uh, if you look at some of the races that Mike just mentioned, you know, Kansas has a Democratic governor, a Republican-controlled legislature. Uh, Michigan has a Republican gov, excuse me, a Democratic governor, Republican-controlled legislature. The same goes for Pennsylvania. The same goes for Wisconsin. Uh, so there's a lot at stake uh, with these governors' races, right? Uh, you talk about you know taxes. You talk about how uh, each governor deals differently with matters like COVID setting a predictable regulatory environment to create, you know, create a good economy, um, you know, create jobs. Um, so all of those things matter. The governor's races uh, this year, as Mike said, 36 of them you know, are going to be very, very important, not only from the policy side of things and as it affects the constituents and families that live in those states, but also from the political side, right? This is the midterm. In 24, you'll have a big presidential election, uh, and oftentimes the candidates uh, tap into you know the the governor's political machine because they have a really good state apparatus. So all of those things matter. With regard to the uh, to the specific races uh, that that Mike pointed out, look in Kansas, I think that is the Republicans uh, one of the top targets. Uh, as Mike noted, you know uh, Governor Kelly is vulnerable. Uh, the current Attorney General Derek Schmidt. Uh, it looks like he's going to be the Republican nominee. You know, General Schmidt has been elected statewide already, so uh, you know the voters know him. Uh, they know his record. I would expect you'll see Governor Schmidt talk a lot about public safety. Uh, some of the other issues that are going to be you know front and center uh, will be school closure. Inflation uh, is also something that that is that is uh, big uh, within the state. Uh, in Michigan. Uh, that look, there's that's a very crowded Republican primary uh, with a number of candidates uh, that are running, and so you know we'll see who who comes out of that out of that race uh, uh, on on the Republican side. In Wisconsin, uh, Tony Evers, uh, the incumbent Democratic governor, looks like former Lieutenant Governor Rebecca Kleefish uh, is probably the favorite uh, to win that primary. Uh, however, she will have some significant opposition uh, in the primary. And so, uh, but, you know, Rebecca Kleefish, uh, she's been working at it for over a year, has done a really good job uh, with regard to setting up policy committees, uh, raising money to support state House, state Senate candidates, and, you know, doing all the right things uh, there in uh, Wisconsin. In Pennsylvania, look, that's another state with a very crowded uh, Republican primary. Uh, and as Mike noted, there's also an open Senate seat, and it's going to be hundreds of millions of dollars spent total in that state, you know, this election year. So plenty out there uh, to look at. Nevada, Governor Sisolak, we've got really three candidates on the Republican side uh, that are running. Uh, you have Clark County Sheriff Joe Lombardo, uh, former U.S. Senator Dean Heller, and uh, those two are the, are the two front runners. Uh, the more recent polling has shown uh, uh, Sheriff Lombardo uh, with with an advantage, uh, Sheriff Lombardo also reported a pretty significant fundraising advantage uh, in in the most recent uh, reporting. So you know that that's a race uh, to watch. Um, look, it's going to be a really dynamic uh, environment out there. Uh, I think it's fair to say 
The environment today favors Republicans. Uh, so, you know, there's, there's a lot to be, there's a lot of work to be done. I don't think anything is ever, you know, taken for granted. And uh, there's plenty of races to watch out there this, this year. So we've, we've talked about uh, some, some Democrat governors and races in play. So two things. One, uh, what, what Republican races are really at the higher level of in-play races? And, and it sounds to me like Democrats are more at risk uh, this election cycle than Republicans. Would you both agree with that? And uh, let me know about the, which Republican governors' races are top-tier um, races that Democrats are focused on as well. Doug, I would say that currently the national atmosphere, as Joe suggested, uh, is for the Republicans. That is particularly the case with the Congress. It doesn't translate exactly to the governors because most of the Democratic governors are more moderate than the perception of the Democrats in the U.S. Congress. That helps them. The interesting races where Republicans are up, I would say, include Georgia, where you've got Governor Kemp, who's got a primary with former Senator Perdue, and President Trump is in the middle of that, and that's going to be a messy, messy, messy primary, and it's already very ugly. Biden won the state by a few thousand votes. In the last race for governor, Stacey Abrams, who's running again, got 49%, and Kemp got 50%. So that's a state that the Democrats could pick up. It also is a state where a lot of these issues are going to play out. Government control, federalism, mandates, masks, all of that kind of stuff the Republicans will play against the Democrats. But Kemp is in trouble just because he's got trouble within his own uh, his own state and his own party. The other state that I would point out um, that's really... Uh, in play maybe for the Democrats, and it's because the Republicans are very disjointed, is Ohio. You've got Mike DeWine, who's been on the ballot there since the last century, and who's governed like a moderate and came out against Trump, et cetera, et cetera. And you have uh, the Republicans there, they're going to run very hard against him in a primary. But then you also have a Senate race there that's going to get in a bunch of money and make Ohio probably more competitive than it might have been. But DeWine should get the nomination and then will benefit from consolidating and the national mood of the country. The other race that's really worth looking at on the Republican side is Florida. I don't think there's any way that Nikki Freed or Charlie Crist, who are the Democratic challengers, can in any way beat incumbent Governor Ron DeSantis. DeSantis has extraordinarily high popularity, even among Democrats, and he's essentially running for president. He's taken on Trump in a careful way without getting in a real pissing match with him, if you will. And if DeSantis comes out of that race with a big margin, then I think it will propel him to the front line of the Republican 
potential candidates for 2024 president. There you go, Joe. Yeah, look, um, with, let's take let's take Georgia first. You know, as as Mike, you know, rightly pointed out, there's there's a primary there. Governor Kemp has really done a good job on growing the state's economy. Uh, he's focusing heavily on job creation and on job growth. Uh, you know, looking, he's putting the coalition together that that he needs to to, to win. Uh, you know, he's got he's got great support across the state, and former Senator you know Purdue. Uh, has the endorsement of former President Trump, so there'll be that'll be a very very hardly fought Republican primary there in the state. Uh, Governor Kemp has the support of the RGA. They w- recently went up with a pro Kemp ad, you know, backed uh, by about five hundred thousand uh, dollars. So, you know, looking at some of the the real clear politics average uh, in the polling uh, in the within the primary race, you know, the polls have Kemp leading by you know roughly five points. And on the uh, real clear politics average, you know, Kemp versus Abrams, you know, got Kemp up four and a half points and Purdue versus Abrams, Purdue up two points. So, uh, you know, we'll see who comes out of the Republican primary and I'm sure whomever it is uh, will will be ready and and will, um, you know, run hard uh, against Stacey Abrams. With regard to Florida. I think Mike is absolutely right. I'm, I'll be surprised if anyone comes close uh, to beating uh, Governor DeSantis. But you know, as we all know, there's only two ways to run in politics. That's unopposed uh, and hard. Uh, so Governor DeSantis is going to do what he needs to do uh, to make sure that, that he gets reelected. Uh, and in Ohio, look, people have been trying to count you know, Mike DeWine out for years. They never get it done. I expect he's going to win uh, the primary, uh, and that he'll win the general as well. It sounds to me like Democrats are more vulnerable and risk this election cycle. And what I'm hearing from both of you is there's some, some issues that are kind of underlying it. Inflation, defund the police, some of the national politics leaning in and influencing races in a way they're influencing, you know, the classic midterm debacle for the party who's, uh, not in power of the presidency. Uh, my question to you two is this. I mean, COVID, um, it's really interesting now that we're, you know, two years into this in Republican and Democrat governors handling this very, very differently. This election cycle, would you agree that these governors are going to get their paper graded? And when you talk about DeSantis being uh, popular among these, is, is that part because of the way he responded and dealt with COVID in his state? And give me your thoughts on, you know, as, as two years later, a very different snapshot than six months in, um, how you think that issue is going to play out in national governor's politics and races? Well, Doug, I think this is why the Democrats have got to make issues at home in their states a priority. You know, Whitmer's campaign theme four years ago was pave the damn roads. The Democrats ought to, per the old saying, stick to their knitting, because on the federal side, they've got issues that are running contrary to popular belief and sentiment. And it goes down to just good old American mentality. It's like, you know, the Whiskey Rebellion in Pennsylvania uh, during George Washington's first term. People don't like to be told what to do. They don't like taxes at all. And the Democrats are perceived to be 
intellectually elitist and nannyist. And there's a lot of, you know, God-fearing people out there, many Republicans who say, hey, this is my life, my choice, my family. I'll make that decision. Joe Biden or some bureaucrat at the CDC isn't going to make it for me. So there's so many of these arguments that go way back in time, you know, states' rights uh, minus the slavery issue. Um, And so Democrats are perceived, and McAuliffe is a perfect example of this, too much nannyism, not enough concern for local issues at the school district, the masking being taken from the parents to the schools and to bureaucrats, and the overall COVID response. You throw on top of that current issues that bite people right now today, inflation at 7.5%, unemployment being unstable as it is, the economy not fully open as it is, and all those don't play good for the Democrats' hand. Joe, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, look, I, I, I think so. I mean, clearly COVID and how governors handled that uh, over the last couple of years is is going to be front and center, right? And, and it's with respect to shut down a business, you know, how small business was impacted, right, versus the big box retailers. Uh, COVID with regard to, you know, could we have gotten our kids back to school sooner? Do the kids have to wear masks now? Those issues, they're going to play out. And you see it happening across the country uh, with school board recalls um, and, and things of that nature. So, you know, look, certainly that issue is going to be front and center. I think, you know, Mike touched on inflation, you know, gas prices going up, grocery bills uh, increasing winter now, uh, you know, heating bills, et cetera. So people are noticing those things and they're going to grade, Doug, to your point. Uh, you know, how did how did my governor do? And do I want another four years of it uh, or do I want something different? So uh, those issues will definitely be front and center. So it seems to me that the Republicans playbook in a lot of ways will be based on how they handled the uh, Virginia election, you know, where McAuliffe did lose. Duncan. Would you agree with that? And I guess the question for both of you is, you know, if you're writing a playbook for Democrats and Republicans, obviously, you know, inflation is going to be an issue. Crime is going to be an issue. It's going to be hard for these Democrats uh, in their states to work around some of that, uh, because I think the national politics um, and what's happened with some of those issues locally. But what would the playbook look like if you both were writing it for Democrat governors and Republican governors across the country. Is there one? Well, I would go back to what I said earlier. People vote more for the person for governor than they do for federal office. Perfect example of that is Joe Manchin, two-term secretary of state in West Virginia, two-term governor, extraordinarily popular when he was a governor. He was like at 73%. The day before he announced for the U.S. Senate, uh, eight, 10 years ago, whatever it was, he was at 73%. The day after he announced for the Senate, and people realized then, here's another vote for Tom Daschle and the Democrats or, or the Democrats or, or Obama, whomever, he dropped 20 points. And that's the difference between, you know, the federal state look at things. But if you look at other places like Colorado, Polis is in very good shape in Colorado. The rest of the ticket, including Senator Bennett, could go down 
In recent polling, Bennett is down two points to a generic Republican. Now, that'll change, and Bennett will have plenty of money. But, you know, Colorado will be a battleground state for congressional seats, the ticket, and polls could win and every other Democrat statewide could lose. In other states, you you know, where, you know, Evers is in trouble in Wisconsin, but the Republican Party is tearing itself up there. They're about to get rid of uh, Chairman DeVos, who's chairman of the party up there, Betsy DeVos's sister, Eric Prince's cousin, brother-in-law, whatever. They had as much to do with supporting Trump and right-wing elements of the 1-6 insurgency as much as anybody in the country. And they are considered, the DeVosses are now considered to be old guard, part of the problem. And the, the new right, the, the Trumpistas, are you know trying to throw them out of office. So that's going to tear the Republicans up in Wisconsin. And in various states where, that, where this is going to be going on, these ugly primaries, that offers the Democrats who don't have bad primaries or no primaries, it will offer them an advantage if by the time the general election rolls around in the fall, the Republicans have, you know, cold cocked each other to the extent that the Democrats are the better alternative or the lesser of evils in people's eyes. Yeah, I look, I, I think people, people want the governor to reflect their values. They want the governor to take care of what's important to their state. Right. And, and that varies from from place to place. So I don't know that there is a, you know, a, a playbook that can be written for all Republican governors. Right? I think you have to adjust and adapt to what is specific to your state, the issues that are facing your state. For example, Greg Abbott, you know, and all the great work that he's doing to try to, you know, to secure the border, you know, down in Texas and the, the specific things that are unique uh, to that state, you know, versus what Chris Sununu might be doing up in New Hampshire or, you know, Phil Scott um, up in up in Vermont uh, or, you know, somebody out west, Mark Gordon in Wyoming, Brad Little in Idaho, right? A lot of these things, yes, they're dealing with COVID. Yes, they're dealing with inflation. Yes, they want to keep taxes low and they want to create good environment for jobs, for business, to attract new business to the state. But there are still those issues that are specific to their state that that they have to deal with. And to Mike's point about Governor Manchin, uh, you know, he took care of the state of West Virginia and people want their governor to to take care of their state. And and I think regardless of whether or not it's a, it's a bruising primary, the person that comes out is going to have to, um, you know, make sure that that their plan, what it is that they're communicating the common sense, and it's going to solve the concerns of the families and the voters um, in that state. Final question. Uh, is there a Republican tsunami coming across the country in governor's races? Yeah, look, I think the environment uh, is very good today uh, for Republicans. If you look at the national environment, Democratic candidates are going to have to, uh, they're, they're, they're flying into a lot of headwinds. And so what Republicans have to do is continue to stay on message, talk about the things that are relevant and that matter uh, to the voters, uh, like Glenn Youngkin did in Virginia, right? That is a great test case. Uh, New Jersey Governor Phil Murphy, you know, almost lost that race. And many didn't even think it was going to be close. Uh, so, 
The environment today is very good. I think Republicans have to work hard. Really, they understand nothing uh, is given. You never take anything for granted. And we'll see what happens in, in November. Mike? I think Joe is generally right. But what I would offer from 50 years of being in politics is things can and will change overnight and several times before November of 22. Biden could either get accolades or get completely slapped by what what's going on or how he ultimately handles the situation in Ukraine. It could be an amazing rallying thing for him. You know, we know that Americans rally to the flag, rightly or wrongly, when, when we're, we're challenged, particularly by the Russians. So that'll be interesting to see how that all plays out, and it will play out on an ongoing basis between now and November. If inflation gets put back under control, and if these infrastructure jobs start to happen, if people start going back to work in mass, and COVID starts to really be gone, then people's attitudes are going to change. And so I would say a lot of this has to do with what happens over the summer well, relative to the president's performance and then the state's, the governor's performance. Biden probably took McAuliffe down in Virginia because his numbers in Virginia had dropped so dramatically that that reflected on McAuliffe. Biden's numbers are not very good now nationwide, 35, 37%, something like that. He's going to have to get up into the 40s to really be something other than a drag on Democrats nationwide, particularly in the Congress. So, you know, the odds right now are with the Republicans, but the, you know, Ides of March are in front of us. So let's talk again later to see how this plays out. Well, Mike, Joe, thank you for a fantastic conversation about governor's races across the country. It will be a fascinating year and a fluid year for sure. Uh, this is Doug Friednash. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for listening to the Brownstein High at Farber Shrek podcast series. If you like what you hear, please subscribe and rate us on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast app. Visit bhfs.com for more information.